Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. The Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast is now supported by the Urban Land Institute. To find out more about becoming a member, please follow the link in the show notes, remembering to quote the promo code ACRE to take advantage of all the benefits of our partnership. More details at the end of this podcast. Good evening. I'm Nick Carman, host of the Accelerating Real Estate Careers podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Now, we've got we're going to talk for you is episode three of our mini series. We're once more, we've invited three guests who have decided to make the decision to self-start something within real estate. And I'm going to ask them questions about what they're doing, what drove them to set something up on their own, what's been the greatest challenge, and what advice might they then give to someone who might be also eyeing up doing just that. But before we get into their stories, I wanted to ask a favour. Recording this, this podcast is generally a real pleasure and, and hearing all your sort of emails and calls after, after the fact is really, really positive. Um, but if you can scroll down to the bottom of your page, if you're listening on an Apple gadget, right there is a place then to leave a review. These are really, really valuable to us as a podcast. It helps to, to lift us up the, the list in terms of both for the careers and also for real estate and just makes it a little bit easier for other people to find us. So if you are able to take the, the 30 seconds that might take to do just that, I'd be really, really grateful. Now, I'll shut up uh, and let you sort of tune into the people you're really interested in hearing more about. So on to more of our guests. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm the founder of Decidio and we're building the future of care homes. I am 29 and I started my career in law um, and have very quickly left that and joined a really fast paced startup in the FMCG world and absolutely loved it. I had an amazing time there. But after kind of raising three rounds of investment with them and launching in several major retailers, I went on to do a consultancy project with my mum's care home, which was in Worthing in West Sussex, and fell in love with the care sector and had an amazing time doing that. So that's how I got introduced to doing what we're doing now. Quite an unusual pathway, really, from law to suites to care homes, and now to real estate startup, really. Hi, everyone. I'm Yava co-founder and chief growth officer at Flowspace. I come from marketing background. I have worked in marketing product innovation business world for more than 10 years. I have worked in FMCG, bigger companies, and started moving towards smaller challenger brands and started advising smaller startups and first-time founders how to launch products to the market. And with all that experience, I've realized that actually I love that challenge when you're creating something from scratch. And that's what I uncovered, that co-founding a business is something that I do really want to do. And I also realized that I can actually do my qualities that I, that I thought were really good for doing a marketing job while actually could, have, could be applied to running a business on my own or with a team like I do now. I'm originally Lithuanian. I moved to the UK five or six years ago. And uh, I, throughout the time here, I came across this program, Antler, which is a VC accelerator. And the program works in a way that they recruit people sort of into their own little entrepreneurial MBA program, as I'd like to describe it, where you don't have to have an idea. You don't have to have a team yet. You just apply there. You go through like loads of testing interviews and then... If you're lucky, you get in and then you have loads of 
courses, teamworks, group works. And the idea is in three months to form a team, find your co-founders, think of a problem you want to solve, come up with the idea how you're going to solve it, um, do loads of market research, and then pitch for the investment committee. And if you're lucky, you're going to get investment from Antler. And that's what we did with our team at Flowspace. Um, we, did, we pitched to the investment committee back in December 2020. <laughs> I'm losing count the year. Yes, we pitched 2020. And we got the investment and we've been running our business since then, which now today is October 1st. And we have been running the business for just more than 10 months. Hi, I'm Peter, co-founder of Situ. A bit about me, I'm 29. I've been in the real estate industry for coming up to nine years now. And a bit about, a bit about what I was doing before, I actually did a psychology degree uh, at the University of East Anglia, uh, nothing to do with property. And um, I sort of accidentally fell into the industry as a as a broke student looking for looking for a job, um, my first job was doing reports formatting uh, for evaluations team, and after being there for a couple of couple of months, I was asked if I wanted to apply for a grad scheme. My uh, my initial response was, "Is it more money?" And the answer was yes. So I said, "Yep, sure, let me go for it." Didn't really think much more of it, and eight nine years later, here I am. Really. We launched Situ 18 months ago, two years. We launched January 2020 as a modern next generation office agency. And what I mean by that is that we cover all aspects of the modern office market. And whether that's part-time office, flexible office, managed office, Cat A office, Cat B, Cat A plus, and we advise tenants across the whole spectrum. The four co-founders have got 50 plus years of, of experience across all of those aspects of the market. And we also work with landlords to provide modern office space for them. And what I mean by that is that it is either traditional lease space, managed space managed by the landlord in a white label, or managed space managed by us at Situ. Let's get into it then. Why have these guests chose to walk a different path than many of their peers and made the decision to start a new company? The reason that I left was actually the FMCG company was a startup too. So I joined two people who were very much kind of forging a new industry and a new way of consuming alcohol, which was really inspiring and really fun. But I left law, which was like a very steady draw. I left my training contract, which I think I'd worked my entire life to get. But as soon as I started it, really realised that it wasn't for me. And actually working in a kind of large corporate environment was really great in so many ways. There was a lot of stability. I had a great salary. I was working with really bright and inspiring people. Obviously, there was kind of consistency of what you could expect from your job, which I definitely don't have now and haven't had for most of my career. But it just didn't didn't feel like the thing I should be in. I, as a person, really thrive in the unexpected. I like to get things done very quickly. 
I really enjoy having like very different challenges every day. And for me, there was something that just kind of, as soon as I went into the startup world and I left my legal training contract, I felt kind of way more alive and enthused and energetic every day and felt like I was really had a purpose, I guess, if, if we think about it in a very personal way. And and then moving from the sweet company to care, I think I've always been around care and my mum owned a care home for most of my life for 16 years. That's Yeah, that is most of my life, just over half. Um, and she was a very caring person. She's a nurse and I was raised in a household where that was kind of a very strong value was to be empathetic and to try and make your life about more than yourself. And so I think going into care, it felt like, yeah, I was supporting other people to live better. And and actually I I haven't ever felt as fulfilled as I did when I was working in, in the home directly. And since then, obviously coronavirus has happened and I actually haven't been able to be to go into a care home for the past almost two years now. Um, so, yeah, I think just being in the care sector and, and starting a business in that is a lot more about like how it makes me feel every day and, and knowing that I'm doing something that's going to make other people's lives better. The journey to arrive at the understanding that you want to found a business, to run a business on your own, is, is a bumpy ride. And I think it's very different to everyone. Um, one thing that helped me personally is that actually I've got a partner who is a serial entrepreneur. He's on his third startup. And uh, when we started dating, he actually just co-founded a business, had a teeny tiny angel investment. And I've been with him through this whole journey up until now where he just closed a serious C round, which actually made me see what it means to build a business from scratch. And I'm not wearing rosy glasses. I know that it's a hard job and I know how it can be done by quite a lot of people is just about that risk profile if if you can do it. And I'm not saying that everyone can do it. I'm not like downgrading all the efforts and sleepless nights that my husband has gone through. But what I mean is that it's not this faraway world, faraway land of entrepreneurs that you sometimes might feel about it when you look at those pictures of someone pitching in Silicon Valley or or when you read to only those successful stories. There are many more unsuccessful stories, but each of them, but each single story is still great. So first thing is, I think, personally, I, I saw that example next to me, so I knew where I was getting into. Second of all, if you think about how risky this may be, you have to really think about your own personal runway. How long can you do this for with like without a proper salary? And the third thing is finding the right team. I think that's the greatest challenge and the greatest challenge I got personally, you know, when I was just starting on that entrepreneurial journey or when I was I started flirting with that idea if I would like to start my own business. I felt like finding a co-founding team or a co-founder is like a job that's impossible to do. It's not like you come to your, I don't know, imagine you're working in a business where you have 50 colleagues that you occasionally chat with when you're having coffee or that you work together when you're running a project. How on earth, how lucky you should be to meet a co-founder in such a setting. 
it's not meant for finding a co-founder, such a setting. You, you go there to work, at best, to maybe to make a couple of friends while you work. So I think, for me, that was the, the biggest uh, hurdle. And uh, I think that stopped me to, to think, to actually think that I can co-found a business. And that's when I found out about Antler. That really helped because I knew that the program is built around the idea of founding the best team you can. Personally, I had been at my previous firm, JLL, for probably six, six seven years. And right from, right from a graduate up to an associate director and I was really looking for the next stage in my own career and I probably had that realization 18 months before I left and had been looking around looking at various jobs had interviewed for various jobs and and nothing really excited me and I think you know talking to to other people at at similar stages of their their careers you sort of get to a stage in a big corporate where you think okay this is me on the journey in a corporate for the next 10 years, or you look to do something else, and whether that's in the industry, out of the industry. And me personally, and, and it turns out the uh, the other other three co-founders of Situ, we are all from relatively entrepreneurial families. Both my parents started their own businesses, and the same with the same with the other guys, Dan, Tom, and Harry. And we looked at the industry back in 2019 and it's quite an exciting time in, in in the office world because we saw that the market was changing there were more and more options available and that big corporates were not necessarily catering to or unable to pivot to that flexibility and the niches had a specialism whether that was specifically flex or whether that was specifically traditional leasehold space and we were all at a similar stage of our careers in terms of looking looking for the next thing and the the cliche goes over over pints over the uh, in the pub on a friday night over the over the months we thought well, well actually why don't we why don't we do it ourselves and then you go well, why don't we actually do it ourselves and then you start thinking about it more um more seriously and then and then you you take the take the punt and give it a go and that's how that's 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 how Situ came about. So we know what they're doing, but given the risk of starting a new company, when did our guests first feel validated they were on the right track? I think in terms of joining the care sector and me as a personal risk rather than actually starting the business. I mean, I started it as a consultancy for working with my mum in her care home and I spent the first 12 months kind of figuring out how it worked and what I thought we needed to do. And we actually received a outstanding on our inspection from CQC, which meant that we're in the top 4% of care homes nationally. And that was kind of all from very gut instinct, things that I'd learned, things I'd learned from my previous business that I supported running, but also just things that I just felt like, obviously, we should be looking after people like this and we should be doing these things. So that was kind of my first point of validation where I was like, okay, I get this. And actually my ideas around this are kind of nationally accepted as being as being kind of leading or, or some of the best. 
So after that, kind of setting out to build Decidio as a model, which is quite separate and distinct from the things we were doing at Melrose, because our previous care home was like a traditional kind of three buildings stuck together um, in a higgledy-piggledy fashion. And and we couldn't really stretch it to achieve the vision that that we had at that point. So I think we had that validation. And then going into doing what we're doing now, I don't think that the real validation will come until our first home is full and people are happy. And we've, we're doing a study with UCL around how our model will impact people's lives, hopefully in a, in a positive way. Obviously, we, we're not setting out to prove that, but we're setting out to explore whether, whether that is the case. And if that comes back, that it is actually impacting people's lives in a positive way and we're full and our residents are happy and our investors are happy and our team is happy, I think that's when I'll have that moment of being like, yeah, this was all worth it. I haven't missed sleeping at all. <laughs> and actually it's, 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 yeah, it's the vision when that fully comes to life that it will be when I know that, that we've done the right thing. I think when you are starting an entrepreneurial journey, it's very important to understand what's your motivation and what you're trying to get out of that. I think arriving at the moment where you can answer to yourself and say like, yes, it was worth the risk, um, is a tricky one. Because depending on the motivation, you can be waiting for 10 years to say whether it's worth or not. So for example, if your motivation is purely, well, monetary driven, it might take for you eight, 10 years until you exit, 15 until IPO. Um, and only then you'll say like, okay, it was worth my hard work. If your motivation is unlock yourself and understand where you're best at, be in your own shoes, create a team culture that you, you would like to create that you've never experienced in other places, you can, you can feel that it's, I've done it, it was worth the risk, already in a year or two years' time, or maybe even, even sooner. Personally, motivation for me, um, or two motivations for me, are A, to run a business that actually makes a difference to people's lives. It's, it's solving generally a problem to humans. And the second one is to authentically feel in my own shoes that I am using all my capabilities in my everyday work and that I'm I'm using all my brain cells and all, all, all of the emotions that I need to, to run a good business. So um, for me, I would say that that moment, that aha moment that I felt that I'm in my shoes and it's worth the risk, it's paying off. For me, it's that emotional part. I think in the first three or four months, I felt that I'm already there. It's even if it, it doesn't work out, I will be always happy that I chose to go on that entrepreneurial journey. Was there a proof of concept of situ? I would say definitely yes. And the challenge came when COVID happened. And actually, the emergence from lockdown over the past 18 months has been a proof of concept for us because we recognize that the market was moving one way. And that's why we launched Situ and everything has happened a lot quicker than we envisioned it was going to happen. And as a business, we have grown almost exponentially as the market has, has been turned back on. So in the first year, we were profitable despite being in lockdown for the majority of the year. And this year, we will 
more than double our double our revenue and we've hired two new people and we've grown from a four to a seven person business and that's that's super exciting that it's not just the four of you on the journey anymore you have other people joining joining the journey that you can mold, can mold and are excited and have their own ideas and are are ready to to join the situ journey and that's that's really exciting going forwards so all entrepreneurs, I suspect, are probably optimists in some form or another. So they probably have a habit of playing down those pitfalls. And in the interest of a balanced discussion, I ask our guests, what was the greatest challenge they've faced? I think time has been really hard, a really, really difficult one. I mean, obviously, coronavirus has meant that I haven't been able to meet people in person, haven't been able to go into care homes for a really long time like finding sites is more difficult. It's less so now, but it was. So I think kind of having an, a year of things not moving as quickly as I would like them to has been really difficult for the business because obviously that's cash flow and we didn't receive any support from the government because we're not income generating yet. So supporting myself and uh, we have an employee and I have an office and, you know, all those things through covid when i knew that actually the outcomes for the business weren't going to be kind of moving as quickly or as fruitful as they normally would be outside of covid that's been really hard and i think i'm impatient so i just want everything to happen now rather than having to wait so that's been really challenging and i think being on my own as a founder during that time like it's frustrating because things are taking so long or things are being set back but you don't have anyone to kind of turn around to and say it's okay like this is really difficult we're not sleeping properly or you know we have to be up really late or you know it it becomes so much part of your life and your identity that then when you do that by yourself it's it's really tough I've got amazing advisors and amazing team but ultimately kind of the buck ends with me and that's difficult and I think that always will be but it is part of being a founder I would say that the greatest challenge overall before you start running a company is finding the right team. Finding those partners that you can go through thick and thin together, that you can really trust, and most importantly, that you can be vulnerable with. It's the most excruciating thing if you cannot be honest with your team. It's, it's really, you have moments when you're running a startup you have those moments when you're actually super frustrated when something is not going well or you're just burning like you're overburned and if you can be honest with your team if you can be vulnerable and not be afraid to actually say that this is too much I can't do this or something's happening in personal life it then it would be really tough you can burn and then and that's why teams split and uh, most of the startups fail because of the team because there is a mismatch they don't really talk through things so i think the greatest challenge is to to find the right team and then to cultivate the relationship in a way that you can be actually truthful with each other and very supportive like many businesses over the uh, the last two years i would say our greatest challenge has been covid and associated lockdowns we launched Situ in, in January 2020, and the first lockdown was in March 2020. So we spent 
And actually, that was probably a bit of a blessing in disguise looking back because we spent the first two months of the business running around like headless chickens looking for first deal, first paycheck, and frankly, you know, thinking, Christ, we haven't got a, uh, a corporate salary coming in every month now. Um, let's, we better make some money pretty quickly. And then lockdown happened. The entire market stops for a couple of months. And we basically were forced to sit down on Zoom like everyone else and plan the business strategically for the next you know, one month, two months, six months, 12 months around where the market was going, what we were going to do individually and personally regarding costs of the business, opportunities for the business. And actually, it was a bit of a um, proof of concept a lot sooner than we were uh, than we were expecting, really. So the reason we started Titchu, as, as I discussed before, is because of the growing flexibility within the office market. And as we all know, there's been a lot of talk of, of, of the office market in the last 12 months with Every company, it started off with, well, we don't need an office anymore. Zoom's great. Uh, we all want to go back to the office. We hate being at home. And now it's hybrid or we need to be in the office three days a week, two days a week. Some people never want to go back. Some people want to be in all the time, depending where you are personally in your career and personally, you know, what type of job you're doing. Say as a salesperson, it may be quite useful to, to bounce off of colleagues, whereas a more individual role where concentration is key then then i'm sure uh, a bit of a bit of peace and quiet if you can get it home works really well um so it forced us to it forced us to plan and it forced us to almost put a pause on the business for for a couple of months right after we launched so that was that was definitely our, our biggest challenge so before we wrap up if listeners this pod has got you excited about the opportunities and the pitfalls of starting your own business in real estate, here's some advice from our guests. As always, thank you very much for listening and please keep your messages of support coming in, particularly if you've got ideas for future guests. I guess let go of fear. I think the biggest thing that people always say to me is like, you're so brave or it must be really scary. And actually when you start thinking like, what's the absolute worst that can happen by me putting myself out there like I'm doing it for a good reason and I'm trying to change the world in the way that I believe and the worst thing that can happen is I fail and if I fail I don't raise the money or we don't find a site or or you know any anything like that and and I don't get this off the ground like it doesn't really matter because at least I've tried and I'll always look back on it I've learned so much in the last two years that I just would not learn in any other any other situation so I think like let go of the fear of failure and just go for it and also if you can do it in small chunks instead of for me like building a building from day one is really really difficult but if you have something you want to start and you can actually do like a minimum minimum viable product and start really small and do something really cheaply and build momentum and get people to buy into what you're doing from that I think that's the absolute best way to do it. And also you end up changing little bits along the way and listening to feedback and it will actually ultimately just make your business even better. So I think just go for it really is probably the biggest thing that the only person that's holding you back is yourself. If someone is considering to start their own company, my advice would be just do it. You will learn so much once you try doing it. 
and uh, whatever the reason is that you're not doing it, I'm sure you can resolve it. In terms of advice, I would say that if you've got something gnawing away at you to to do it, to, to start your own business, start your own company, and you've got a great idea, there's nothing stopping you. Because yeah, if you've been at a corporate for, let's say, you know, I've been there for seven years, if you've been there for 10, 15 years, you've got that track record, give it a go. And what's the worst that can happen? After 12, 18 months, you decide, actually, this is not sustainable for whatever reason. My lifestyle doesn't accommodate me working all, all, all the hours or, you know, I, I actually need a predictable income for the first, for the next six months, then you've got that track record to, um, to do what you were doing before. You know, there's no, that's not going to go. And people will respect the fact that you've, you've tried it and you've tried your own thing. It's not a black mark in, in your career. And we've all got long careers and it's, it's something that people will respect that you've tried. And, the advantage of that is you can make a success of a business on your own and all of the rewards that go with that. And what's the downside? You end up doing what you were doing before and you've given it a go and that itch has been scratched. I would, that's, that's my advice. The Urban Land Institute is the oldest and largest network of cross-disciplinary real estate and land use experts in the world with more than 45,000 global members. The ULI's ethos of personal development makes them an ideal collaborator on our podcast, and we encourage our listeners to learn more and become members by signing up at uli.org forward slash join, quoting the promo code ACRE. Thank you for listening.